0: Munra, a It speaks of the night and of the day. Sue a harum in mas ibet baya. Imhatipinsum pike sitsue yatue yatue yatue. No! You must not read from the book! Hello movie lovers, you're listening to the Does It Hold Up podcast, the podcast where we talk about some of your favorite movies to see if they still hold up to today's standards. I'm Adam. And I'm Emily. And this week we're going over
1: The Mummy from 1999.
0: Yes, so we are doing The Mummy this week. We did not have an episode last week. Unfortunately, life just got way too in the way and didn't allow us the time to talk about the movie we watched for the podcast So hopefully we will eventually get that out to you, but apologies for not having an episode out last week. Hopefully we're making up for that by doing one of the best movies, most beloved movies. Definitely beloved. Of all time. Well, at least the 90s. (laughs) I don't know. It's The Mummy, starring the boy, the man, the myth, the legend, the newly awarded Oscar winner, Brendan Fraser.
1: I can't believe you called him a boy
0: at the beginning. Because he was a boy in 1999. Was he, though? Did you see him in this movie? He looks like he's 12. No. Yeah. He's, he's like a definitely rugged... a man in this movie. He's a rugged 14-year-old. <laughs> 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 All right. So, The Mummy from 1999. Can we just... Let's just start with this cast. This cast is unbelievable. Unbelievably beautiful. Correct. So we have a TikTok and an Instagram and all that. We put out like fun movie facts, behind the scenes information you might not know about these movies. So if you don't yet subscribe to us on all of our social medias, click the links in the description of this episode so you can, so you can hear these things. But we posted a whole video about this movie, about Ardith Bay's, the character Ardith Bay and the actor behind him, Oded Fair. And so many comments are just like, this movie was my sexual awakening. This movie made me realize how, I, how bisexual I am. <laughs> this movie is my Roman empire of casts. I did not realize how much love every single one of these people had. You know, I honestly didn't think
1: about it until we got those kind of comments. But I feel that on a spiritual level of this being like that kind of awakening for me. Because uh, everyone in this movie is
0: just gorgeous. Yeah, but you were like seven when you watched this. I didn't watch it when I was seven. I watched it when I was older. Weird. I watched it when it first came out in 1999 and I was 13. So an awakening, awakening for you. Maybe. I don't honestly remember. <laughs> I don't honestly remember. <laughs> I remember being like, Rachel Vice is hot, but that was about it. So let's talk about this cast though, because it's insane. So the lead character in this movie is Rick O'Connell, played by the aforementioned Brendan Fraser. Is he even the lead though? Because he isn't in a good portion of the movie. No, he's the lead. A hundred percent. Listen, if you have top billing in the movie, you're the lead. Okay. Unless like you're the biggest star and therefore you get top billing, even though you're only in ten minutes of it. Looking at you, Hannibal Lecter. I was looking at uh, what's her name from Scream? Oh yeah, Drew Barrymore from Scream. She was just the biggest name at the time. He wasn't the biggest name, but he was top billing. He is accompanied by Rachel Weiss as Evelyn Carnahan, a little librarian lady. I didn't even know she had a last name. You might know Rachel Weiss from The Favorite. Do you remember that movie?
1: Yeah, I love that movie.
0: It's a great movie. Uh, the Lobster. She was in The Mummy Returns, obviously. She was also in one of my favorite romantic comedies of all time. Definitely, maybe. Ah. Uh, you don't remember her in there, do you? I barely remember that movie, which is so sad because I remember liking it, but it's just- You're, Stop talking now. You're just- Digging yourself a deeper hole. Her brother in the movie, Jonathan Carnahan, is played by John Hanna. Literally one of my favorite characters in the entire movie. He's absolutely amazing. You'll know him from other movies like The Hurricane, Four Weddings and a Funeral. You won't know him from anything. Yeah. Moving on. <laughs> the Mummy Emotep is played by Arnold Vosloo. What a name, Arnold Vosloo. I did not know his actual
1: name, but when I learned it, I was like, oh my god, yes.
0: Yeah, you feel like you would be some spiritual higher power thing. He was in movies like Blood Diamond and G.I. Joe Retaliation. Okay. Then you have, okay, my favorite character in the whole movie, Benny Gabor, played by Kevin J. O'Connor. Can we give him the MVP? You want to just do it now? You just want to go into it?
1: Just a quick little MVP for him. I have that
0: as a question is who is the MVP of this movie? It's Benny. He makes this movie tick.
1: It's really hard because I do want to give it to Brennan Fraser because he is so iconic in this movie. But Benny just is so amazing. And I I know I didn't give him a much enough thought when I was younger, but now watching it again, I'm like, he is so great.
0: Yeah, every scene he's in, he just holds it together. Without him, much of this movie doesn't happen or doesn't work.
1: You need that, like, comedic villain That one that you can definitely best, like, um, oh, Rick is constantly besting this guy, and yet he keeps coming back. And yet
0: Benny seems to always have the upper hand in the long run. Yeah. Rick wins the small battles, but Benny seems to be winning the war until the end when it all flips. Mm -hmm. And you need somebody like that. You couldn't just face the mummy. That'd be a little too much. Especially when the mummy is basically this unbeatable force. Yeah. You needed something for them to be able to, like... I have the upper hand slightly. But you might know Kevin J. O'Connor from movies like Deep Rising, Van Helsing, and Peggy Sue Got Married. Who was he in Van Helsing? Igor. <gasps> Amazing. Exactly. He's fantastic. A couple of the smaller, or actually last major role to talk about is uh, Ardith Bay, played by Oded Fair. Um, he was in Resident Evil Extinction. He was in Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. If you've never seen that movie, I recommend it. It's the worst movie but it's also hilarious at the same time. But yeah, I think he was on like a CSI or something, but he was in Blacklist. He is in Star Trek Discovery, the new Star Trek show. He's like a silver-aged fox now. Women are still fawning over this man. He is another one of those that I slept on when I originally watched this movie,
1: and watching him now, I have a much better appreciation for him.
0: Not me. The first time I watched this movie, I was like, I want to be him. Being Rick would be really cool also, but like Ardith Bay was just like so freaking cool. Is that silent in
1: control type? You're right. You're like,
0: yes. I'm like, I kind of want to go through the desert and like protect the world from evil. That sounds awesome. <laughs> Riding horses all day. Some of the other characters, real quick, we have Jonathan Hyde playing Dr. Alan Chamberlain. Eric Avari plays Dr. Terrence Bay. Not related to Ardith Bay, though. Really? Yeah, so looking at the cast, you have Ardith Bay, Bay spelled Mm B-A-Y, and then Dr. Terrence Bay, B-E-Y. I feel like they could have just had them related. would have made sense. Would have made sense. And the last uh, two that I want to mention is Bernard Fox, who plays Captain Winston Havelock, the pilot, just because the scene he's in, every time he shows up, it's just grand. Got to give him a shout out. And the last one is... Warden God Hassan, played by Omid Jalili. I actually really appreciated his
1: character more so this time than any other time before. Because I'm like, he's just there. The warden? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean- he's, he's living his life. He wants the money that he was promised to let Rick go. And he came along to get it. And unfortunately, he just uh, falls into some bad times. Mm-hmm. Very, very bad times. So this movie did really well for itself. Had a budget of about $80 million domestically brought in 155.4 million, its worldwide total was 416.4 million, and in 1999, even with that 155, was still only the 8th ranked movie. Okay, so it got into the top 10, but seems a little low. Yeah. Adjusted for inflation, it would be 322 million, which would put it in 6th place for 2023, above The Little Mermaid, but below Oppenheimer. Uh-huh. my movie yeah <laughs> so not bad it it carved out a nice little path for itself yeah. found a nice little niche there that people could connect to and then it got two more movies after it so made enough money to get a sequel which made enough money to get a third one a couple years later and it was supposed to get a fourth I don't know if you knew this no. they had plans to do a fourth movie the whole cast was gonna come back including Rachel Vice. she was gonna return because she wasn't Evie in the third movie I don't Tomb even of the remember Dragon the Emperor. third movie. Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. It had Jet Li. They traveled to China to nope. stop and I don't Emperor. think I've ever watched wow. it. Oh, okay. Well, uh, Maria Bello actually plays Evie in that one because Rachel Weiss didn't like the script and didn't want to return. So they were gonna rework the script for a fourth movie. She was gonna come back, whole whole thing. But then Universal was like, "Mm, we don't want to make a fourth one. We want to make a connected universe. So we're going to reboot it with the Tom Cruise starring The Mummy from 2017. And then that movie just failed miserably. Miserably. Yeah. But with Brendan Fraser riding high again, you know, getting back in that limelight. Maybe we can get a uh, legacy sequel. Get them all back together. What were critics saying about this movie? Well, the cinema score actually had
1: it at a B. So I'm I'm really shocked by that. I thought it was going to be a little bit higher. I am not.
0: Really? The uh, trailers for this movie kind of touted it as more of an adventure film, like an Indiana Jones type adventure film. Yeah. Not the comedy adventure that we got. Okay. So it was marketed a little bit heavier, a little bit more serious than what it ended up actually being.
1: Okay. Roger gave it three stars. And he said about it, There is hardly a thing I can say in its favor, except that I was cheered by nearly every minute of it. I cannot argue for the script, the direction, the acting, or even the mummy, but I can say that I was not bored, and sometimes I was unreasonably pleased.
0: Crazy. It's so weird when you're just pulling quotes from some of his reviews, and it's like three stars, and then the quote he has is just this beautiful soliloquy about the movie, Mm. and it's like, but why didn't you give it four stars then? And then sometimes you've done it where you've done, like, a two-star review or a four-star review. And then the the review you pick, the the quote, is like, eh, this movie was fine. Yeah. It's so weird. I was really surprised by
1: what he wrote, basically, that he gave it three stars. I expected him to have given it less based on his actual review. Yeah. He was a weird man.
0: Yeah. He was a weird man, but respected. And that's all that matters.
1: That's fair. And then... Rotten Tomato critics have it at a sixty percent, and audience a seventy five percent. Well, we all know those aren't the real numbers. The real numbers have it: critics at a five point nine out of ten. Oof. Yeah, so right around there, that yeah, sixty percent range. Yes. Oof. Um, and then the audience have it at a seven point six percent. Okay. Or
0: sorry, seven point six out of ten. Yeah, makes sense. All right. Steven Summers directed this movie. He has the weirdest filmography. So he directed The Adventures of Huck Finn in 1993. Okay. <laughs> Do you remember that movie at all? Have you ever seen it? I think so. Okay. It's like family-friendly fair. You know, it's The Adventures of Huck Finn. It's nothing crazy. Yeah, I think I watched it in school. Then he did a movie that I know a couple of our friends just covered over on their podcast uh, called It's Movie Night. If you want to go give them a listen. 1994 is The Jungle Book. Then Deep Rising in 1998, which is... Uh, A more adult movie. The Mummy in 99. The Mummy Returns in 2001. He did Van Helsing in 04. Love that movie. Crappy movie. Love it. G.I. Joe, The Rise of Cobra in 09. And then Odd Thomas in 2013. Hasn't done anything since. He's not dead. Just hasn't worked since. Hmm. Still living off that mummy money. Pretty much. He does have a new movie coming out next year, I believe, called When Worlds Collide. I I have no idea anything about it. All I know is he penned the script. He penned the script for a lot of this because he also uh, was one of three writers on The Mummy as well. He's one of those directors that likes to write what he's going to work on. That's fair. All right. Here's some behind-the-scenes information for this movie that I want your opinion on. Could you do this? It was filmed in Morocco for about six weeks. At least that portion of the movie, all the desert stuff. Filmed in Morocco over six weeks. Crew members were regularly airlifted to local hospitals due to bites from scorpions, spiders, and snakes. You filming this movie or no?
1: Probably not. I hate snakes. Yeah,
0: but you know. The other ones I don't really care about as much. Like, yeah, that would stink, but. You only care because it's a snake. Not the fact that they had to be airlifted to hospitals. Yeah. Because almost every single one of the scorpions, spiders, and snakes in that area are poisonous. Mm -hmm. You only care because it's a snake. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Sure. I could have (laughs) never, ever, ever played the mummy. Emotep? Couldn't have done it. Hmm. Arnold Vosloo, who played Emotep, had to shave his entire body twice a day to keep that clean-shaven look that he would have as an undead mummy. I would probably have to do that, too. My hair grows really fast. (laughs) I just don't want to do it. Period. Uh, They did try waxing at one point so that he, he didn't have to shave as frequently, And the first time they went through the waxing, he immediately was like, nah, never doing that again. I'll shave. Thank (laughs) you very much. I'm with him. I'm not. No. I'd probably have done the waxing. Nah. No, thank you. I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere. Mm -hmm. That's what people felt like on this movie, especially Prop Masters, because almost every single one of the guns firing in this movie had to be included in post-production. By Industrial Light and Magic. Magic. They had to add the muzzle flashes, the movement, the sounds, everything, because the sand continually jammed the gun's mechanisms, and they wouldn't fire. Wow. That would be really frustrating. Yeah. Uh, And then the end fight. This always blew my mind, right? The Mm -hmm. end fight with Brendan Fraser fighting, like, all the mummies coming around. Yeah. That was meticulously choreographed by the fight choreographer, Brendan Fraser practice it hours on end on days he had off he performed it without skipping a beat the entire fight in one long take with no one else on screen they didn't have anybody in a green suit they didn't have anybody there to tell him he literally just memorized this fight and did it solo on camera and then they added the mummies in in post
1: i wish they would have left longer takes then
0: Because I feel like they cut it up still a bit too much. Probably had to just because some things probably just didn't look quite right, Mm -hmm. you know? But I just... Power to him. Oh, yeah. To just do that whole fight. You should. There's some great behind-the-scenes footage from the DVD extras Mm -hmm. where you can see him doing the fight and the camera panning around him to get the different angles and stuff. And he's nailing it. When you watch the the behind-the-scenes and then you watch the scene right after, you're like... This is spot on. That man did not miss a beat. And the last thing is that Brendan Fraser nearly died in the making of this movie. It's a famous story everybody pretty much knows, but thought I'd bring it up here anyway. During the scene where he gets hanged in the prison, Mm -hmm. it was a little too taut around his neck. He actually lost air and lost consciousness while hanging.
1: Almost died. We would have never forgiven this movie.
0: This movie would have bombed tremendously had that happened. But also, like, this movie was just raw with problems. You know, it was the Egyptian gods being like, yo, you're making fun of us? How dare you? Screw you, man. All right. Here's a couple more fun things. Okay. Casting what ifs. So these were people that were rumored or linked to in some way this movie before Brendan Fraser took the role of Rick O'Connell. Okay. Tom Cruise. (laughs) Brad Pitt. No. Ben Affleck. (laughs) Matthew McConaughey. Interesting. Leonardo DiCaprio. No. And this is the weirdest one. Sylvester Stallone. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Right? Like, so 70-year-old Sylvester Stallone. I don't think he wasn't obviously 70 in 99, but old-ass Sylvester Stallone trying to do Rick O'Connell. Very different movie. Very different movie. What's interesting, though, is just a few years later, I think in 2004, McConaughey stars in his own version of The Mummy, uh, called Sahara, where he's a treasure hunter in the desert trying to find an ancient artifact and stuff like that. So he missed out on this one and then just went and made his own. And it it didn't bomb, per se, but it only made about $68 million at the box office. I was going to ask if it was any good. It was fine. You know, it was like, eh, I saw it. I watched it. I'll probably never watch it again. Mm. But, you know, just interesting. So you could tell that he definitely wanted this movie. For whatever reason he didn't get it or didn't accept the offer, he wanted it well, because...
1: Clearly Tom Cruise did too because he ended Cause... up being the mummy Exa- yeah. later.
0: <laughs> 18 years later, he was the mummy. Rachel Weiss was the only one offered the role of Evie. They knew perfection when they had it. Yeah. They were like, she's the only one that can be a librarian. Perfect. A librarian love interest. So here's something interesting though for the first time. I also have directing what ifs. Really? So, Steven Summers was not the first choice to be the director for this. Even though he partially wrote it? Well, he wrote it after he took on directing duties. Oh, okay. They, they, had a, they had the story. They knew what they wanted to tell. And the studio went to horror directors and said, let's make this movie. Okay. They first went to Clive Barker, who was coming off Hellraiser. Ooh. His version, though, was going to be very hard R with heavy gore, violence, and adult themes. Yeah, and when he pitched his version of the movie, the studio was like, "That's not what we want," and they moved on. <laughs> then they went to Joe Dante, who made one of your favorite movies, Gremlins. Ah. But his version would have been—you know—the budget was about eighty million. His version would have been about one hundred and fifty million, and the studio was like, "Absolutely not. We don't want it." But yeah. In his version, Rick O'Connell or whoever the main guy would have been, Daniel Day-Lewis. I was gonna say, was he a puppet? <laughs> George A. Romero was their third choice wow, from okay. Night of the Living Dead, but his version was too dark and scary. Well, yeah, if you keep going to horror people, they're going to be dark and scary. What did you expect? Right? That's, that's what I'm noticing from this. I have one more, but what I'm noticing is they're like, we went to these horror people and then we didn't like the horror that they gave us. Well, that was stupid then, wasn't it? Yeah. Last one, they went to Wes Craven. Oh, okay. Who was interested in the, in doing the movie but ended up passing on it because he was too busy with the Scream franchise at the time cuz Scream had just come out in 1996 and he was working on the sequel Scream 2. Uh all right. So, he had his own thing going on, so he passed on the movie. Kind of wish I could have seen a Wes Craven version, but Yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah. And then they finally settled on Stephen Sommers after all that. Well, I think it, it worked out for everybody. It ended well. Yeah, I think it worked out. Although, a really horror version of this movie would be really interesting. So, it got me thinking with all these what ifs. Mm-hmm. I wanted to do some recasting myself. Okay. So, I have two names I want to throw at you, and you tell me if either one of them is better than the Rick O'Connell we got. Okay. First up, you're well. <laughs> Matt Damon. He's coming off Goodwill Hunting from 97, Saving Private Ryan in 98, Rounders in 98. And in 99, when this movie came out, he was in Dogma and The Talented Mr. Ripley. And this was three years before he went full action in The Born Identity in 2002. Like, he's riding high right now. Yeah. Can he be Rick O'Connell? I think he could be. Is it a better movie? I, I don't think so. Hmm.
1: I honestly, and this could just be me, I don't think he has as much sex appeal as Brendan Fraser did at this time.
0: Ooh, that's a hot take. Really? That's like a sizzling hot take. Do you... But yeah, I was... I, he could definitely have done it though. Right?
1: It was... I was actually really surprised. I, when you said you were doing casting
0: what ifs, I thought he was going to be in that group. Same. And that's what made me think of it. I was like, you offered it to Ben Affleck, but not Matt Damon? Mm-hmm. Weird. Who could do the comedy as well. But he hadn't really yet. That's the interesting uh... thing. He was doing all serious stuff up until Dogma in 1999, which came out after this movie. Mm-hmm. So I think they were just a little scared. The other one I came up with, and this one's a weird one for me because I don't think he's a great actor, but I think this might have been a good showcase for him. Maybe allow him to do something. Skeet Ulrich. Okay. He's coming off Scream in 1996, As Good As It Gets in 97, and The Newton Boys in 98. He also had a movie of his own where he starred in it opposite Cuba Gooding Jr. in 99 called Chill Factor. So like he's still a big name at this point. He's got that that charming look to him. You know, if you remember him as Billy from Scream. Yeah. Killer. What about him as Rick?
1: He's the that's the only one I know him from. So it's really hard for me to picture him as Rick as being like the leading man. Okay. I just I that one's that one's a hard one for me. Yeah. I think if I had seen him in other things, kind of gotten a different feel from him other than, you know, psycho killer. <laughs> I might be able to picture him there, but I'm going to have to pass on that one. Okay.
0: So you think Brendan Fraser, were golden. Oh, yeah. We're, we don't need to recast it.
1: No. Okay. Doesn't need to, but Matt Damon probably could have done it.
0: Yeah, I think it- He probably still could do I it. I think it's very similar of a movie, maybe a slightly different vibe with Matt Damon, but it's like almost the exact same movie. Yeah. Skeet Allrich, I think, changes it a little. He would Goes probably go darker. more
1: serious and more
0: dark. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think he still make, could make it work,
0: but it goes a little too dark, maybe. Yeah. So that was just something a little fun I wanted to do here. All right, let's get into this movie. So we open up with narration. Over the most CGI Egypt ever, because it's ancient Egypt.
1: And the first thought I had when seeing this is, did they just reuse the animation from Prince of Egypt?
0: <laughs> but better? Like, maybe uh,
1: more lifelike? Because obviously it's supposed to be your life, but it looked exactly like it
0: came from Prince of Egypt. Well, I mean, Egypt looks like Egypt. Like, I did know. you want them to change it and like modernize Egypt? I don't, I don't understand. No, I mean, it's in the same vein
1: as like same quality as Prince of
0: Egypt. Sure, I mean, Princess, Princess, Prince of Egypt was way ahead of its time, though. True. So I accept that. So we get the whole backstory of the mummy. And Anaxuna Moon, mm-hmm. his girlfriend or mistress or whatever the hell she was, I I don't know. I don't mind narration for the most point for the most part, but this one it's like five minutes of narration. And when you think the narration's over, just kidding. Here's more narration. I think it went on a little too
1: long. I don't know if we needed this much detail of the backstory of the mummy that we
0: won't get for another like hour. Yeah, like, we could have definitely gotten his backstory when he started showing up. I don't think we needed it all up front. It could have been like a little flashback of,
1: uh, this, this was uh, what I've learned about Emotep by reading this thing that I see on this
0: wall. Well, we definitely don't need a flashback, because you know how I feel about those. Yeah, but I feel like it's just, this could have been a flashback. I don't think we visually needed to see his story. I think just being told his story would have worked well in this. Fair. I think seeing him at a weak point early in the movie like that makes him less scary as the movie goes on for me it almost humanizes him too much because he's supposed to be
1: this big bad just evil thing
0: yeah well but he's not even knowing evil. that he dies back.
1: because of his love for this woman and that's his whole reasoning later on in the movie too uh,
0: weird right yeah yeah i think we could just skip this yeah i think we just start with where i think it should have started with with Brendan fraser and his platoon of guys that are at Hamunaptra, where the mummy is currently buried, mm-hmm. Imhotep's buried, and we just start at this battle here. Yeah. And we get the battle, and then we immediately cut to Evie in the library. Although, That's where the movie should start.
1: Although, if we miss that opening, we miss one of probably the scariest things in this entire movie to me, live mummification.
0: Oh, now, That yeah. would be
1: horrendous. No wonder he comes back as an evil mummy later.
0: I feel like that was probably held over from one of those other director's scripts where <laughs> it was like, oh, I actually really like that part. Leave that in there. Yeah, because that is terrifying. Oh, yeah. So we do. We jump to Brett and Fraser and we meet Be- uh, Rick and we meet Benny and they're fighting the Magi who are the people that are protecting Hominoptera.
1: Oh, that's what they were fighting? I thought it was just some random like war.
0: No, it's definitely because Hominoptera. They...
1: I know, but they aren't dressed like the Magi.
0: Well, the Magi are bigger than the like 10 we see later in the movie i guess so it could just be a war i always thought it was the magi maybe i'm wrong because
1: yeah because they just look so different but they're all in like a uniform but not the magi outfit that we see the the horsemen on yeah so maybe you're it right
0: confused me maybe you're right maybe it's not the magi i just always think it is it would make more sense if so it I was keep them out of there yeah, especially because later in the movie, we find out how hard it is to get to Hamanoptra. Mm-hmm. You have to like wait for the sun to hit a certain point to open up the path and all that. How did they all just randomly end up there? And are randomly warring over this. But then they leave, too. Yeah. So that's why I always just assumed it was the Magi. Yeah. But whatever. They're warring. We get some good moments here. Or there. We kind of s- establish Rick as a character. The tone of the movie, too, where mm-hmm. it's like, hey, Benny, are you with me? You with me till the end? Of course I am. I'm not going anywhere. Five seconds later, he's taken off. Study! You're with me on this one, right? Oh, your strength gives me strength. <laughs> Wait for me! Eddie! Running away. It's, that is his entire character in two seconds. freaking great. Then we jump to Evie in the library. We meet her. She's Mm -hmm. stacking books. She's on top of a ladder. She's stacking books. She falls. And now she's like balancing on the ladder and she can't figure out what to do. And we get a wonderful practical effect in this movie where she falls, knocks into one of the bookshelves, and we get a domino effect of all of them. That was all done in a single take. All real. impressive as it is, didn't need it. But it's so short. Yeah. It's like 30 seconds. It's fine. What makes me laugh the most in this scene is when she's balancing on the ladder, they keep cutting back to a wide shot, and it's clearly just a man dressed as her. Like, I think he even has a beard if you look closely. <laughs> and I know that's like the stunt double and all that, but it's just so funny to me. But it's a, it's a cute little moment. It sets up her character as well, where um, she's like a very determined librarian, but also maybe she's a little clumsy as well. Mm-hmm. So it's just all, it's all good. We also get to meet her brother. Jonathan Jonathan in this moment and we find out that he's a gambler a risk taker and a thief thief. yeah definitely thief and he enjoys life maybe a little too much I love Jonathan
1: I aspire
0: to be Jonathan (laughs) he knows who he is and he is so okay with that he stole a key and she's like where did you get this from he's like I'll take you to the guy so they go to a jail and this is where we see Rick O'Connell again. Which we... kills me because we definitely yada yada him being just lost in the desert to him being at this jail. Yep. And I I kind of get annoyed with that. Yeah, uh, I know, it's weird. This whole movie is like two hours long and yet sometimes they just seem to yada yada pass things.
1: Yeah, because the Magi are like, let the desert kill him. But it doesn't. So the Magi are just really bad at their jobs.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they are. They are the entire reason
1: that the mummy gets, uh...
0: Gets loose? Brought back, yeah. So they go to the jail. They meet Rick O'Connell. He's gonna be hanged for his crimes. We don't know what they are. Evie even asks what he's being hung for. And the warden's like, I have no idea. We're just hanging him. He's like, he had a really good time. Yeah. Great. Can Uh, you give me more? Doing (laughs) what? So she's like, can I buy him? I'll give you 100 pounds. 500 pounds. No. I love when the warden touches her leg and he's like, What else can you offer? And she smacks him away and he's like, Hang him! Because <laughs> <laughs> the whole jail starts laughing at him when she yeah. when she turns him away. Cracks me up every time. And what else? I'm a very lonely man.
1: <laughs>
0: this movie does a really good job of these little beats that help further establish the characters.
1: I love that they didn't make her just
0: like. She's kind of a damsel in distress, but not entirely. She's only a damsel in stre- distress when it comes to the mummy, though. Yeah. Because she can take on Benny, no problem. She can take on the Americans, no problem. The mummy, hmm, a little bit tougher. It makes sense. It's an undead mummy. Yeah. And, you know, this is how you got to have the guy come save you. It's, you know, it's 1999. This is how it works. <laughs> so she's like, well, listen, he knows where Hamonoptra is. He's going to take me. There's a bunch of treasure there why don't we bring you back some and the guy's like hmm yes (laughs) we get a great moment here when he's getting hung though any last requests pig yeah loosen the knot and let me go (laughs) it's
1: so great cracks me up yeah it's these little moments that just make this movie so special
0: yeah but you said when we were watching this movie for the pod, you forgot half this movie, especially this first half of the movie. There's like I, actually a moment you remember, but I really remember the beginning of this movie.
1: I really forget the middle of this movie. So I remember them beginning their journey to go find Hamanatra, but them. I'm sorry. What was the name of it? Hamanatra. Hamunaptra? Hamunaptra. I'm forgetting the moo. Hamunaptra. 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 Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I remember their journey to there. I forget their entire like existence there until they release the mummy. Yeah. And even then, I mistake their releasing of this mummy to the second movie where they release the mummy again.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, that's because the second movie is literally just B for B. This movie with an extra character added in. The kid. The kid. Yeah. The annoying, annoying kid. He's going to go with. They're going to go find Hamanoptra. They have to take a boat. And on the boat, they meet a bunch of Americans who are also looking for Hamonoptra. And they're like, we have someone who's been there before. And guess who it is? Benny. <laughs> Good old Benny. Welcome back, Benny. We love you. We missed you. And Rick's I... pissed. Yeah. Rick's like, I'm going to kill you. And I love him. Benny's like... But what about my children? You don't have children. But I could. (laughs) Someday (laughs) I could. It's so funny. Again, little moments. This kicks off a a running gag that I
1: absolutely love in this movie. Of him just tossing him. Of Rick just tossing Benny
0: off the boat, off his steed, you know... So many different times he just tosses them. But yeah, it's, you know, we watched the whole Fresh Prince of Bel-Air TV show and they had that running gag where Jazz kept getting thrown out of the house and it was one of the funniest things. Made me laugh every single time. Same thing here. Mm -hmm. Every time Rick just gets his hands on Benny, it's just like, this is funny. All
1: right. Bye, Benny. Yeah.
0: But as they are on this boat, the Americans make a bet with Rick about them getting there first and all this fun stuff. When the Magi show up. And they attack the boat. At least this time, I think it's the Magi. It is. Okay. Who knows anymore? They're dressed like the Magi. (laughs) So they show up and they attack the boat because they don't want anybody going there. And the boat goes down in flames. And we get a great scene where Benny ends up on one side. Rick ends up on the other. And he's like, sorry, Benny. We're going to leave. Well, they're they're in a race. Yeah, of course. So now they, they go. But the problem is Rick and his group don't have any horses. Uh Benny has all the horses. So they have to go get camels. Who cares? Yeah. This is, who cares? Get your, why does this scene take so long getting camels? Get your camels and go. You get the
1: one line that I like is, we should have just traded your sister. And Jonathan's just like, it was tempting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Probably could have got him for free. All we had to do is give him your sister. Yes. Hopefully tempting, wasn't it?
0: (laughs) it, uh, Unnecessary, I guess. I, I don't like it. I don't like this whole scene. You just add add to your runtime, basically. Yeah, like you could have just bought camels and been on your way. So they finally get to Hominoptera. They sit, they watch the sun come down or up or whatever it's doing, and it lights the path. Yeah. And they race to Hominoptera. This is where Benny gets thrown down again. And they get there and they kind of get there at the same time, so nobody wins. And then they start exploring the tomb. And this is the part that I completely forget. I think this is the part everybody forgets. Rick and Evie and Jonathan go to one part of the tomb and this is where they believe the sarcophagus is for the mummy and the book of the dead that they're looking for is in this room. The Americans show up and are like, we're taking over this room. This is where we're going to dig. It's such like a weird show off moment. It's like Rick and Jonathan pull guns. They each only have like, there's like three guns Mm -hmm. and there's 15 dudes on the other side. And Rick's like, I've had worse odds. I sure as shit hope you didn't. But I just don't get what Rick's going for here. Yeah, his bravado. It's too much. I I guess it's just for a moment of Evie being the calm head prevailing here and figuring out another way, showing her intelligence. But Mm -hmm. we've already seen her intelligence. Did we really need another moment of it? Yes. Fine. You You, said yes. You need it
1: because you're going to make her the
0: damsel in distress later. Fair. So they go to a different part, but somehow she is Google Maps in her head. Yeah. So she knows exactly where the sarcophagus and where everything the tomb is from underneath. And they're lucky that one of the caverns leads to directly underneath it. (laughs) So they go down and they start chiseling away and the sarcophagus just falls through. Mm -hmm. And they find the mummy and they find the Book of the Dead. And this is when they release the mummy.
1: Yeah. Because the Americans find the Book of the Dead. They find the sarcophagus. And they... uh, This is going to be a nit of mine later, but I'm I'm just going to bring it up now. Is... You know the American team. They open up the the feet of this of one of the statues, and you know it melts the faces off of like some of their helpers. And yet they still open a box that has a warning on it saying, "Hey, don't open this." You know it's cursed. They still open it, Mm -hmm. and they get cursed. (laughs)
0: Like oh, I wish they had more booby traps in this movie. We get the one booby trap of them opening it, and like you said, the acid or steam or whatever hits them and melts them. Mm -hmm. That's like the one booby trap we get. Yeah. We need more? Probably. I I would have loved an entire five-minute sequence of them dealing with booby traps. They have
1: one more towards the end of the movie, and that's what the entire thing, like,
0: closing. Yeah, that's, that's just to get to the finale of the tomb can no longer be entered. Yeah. That's not an actual booby trap that matters. It's just a way for them to end the movie. But at the same time that they're opening all this and finding the book and finding the sarcophagus, our warden friend has ventured off seeking treasure. Mm -hmm. And he comes across some golden scarabs. And as he's ripping them from this statue, one falls into the sand and it opens up. And a real beetle is in there.
1: And it takes off one of the scariest bits of this movie to me. Because it burrows inside him,
0: makes him go crazy, and he
1: slams his head against
0: a wall. Yeah, it climbs in through his shoe, which is just weird. I don't know how... Magic? It d- it digs through. but Kind of like it no digs hole. through your skin. Yeah, but there's no hole in his shoe big enough for, like... There is no hole after that beetle goes in. The beetle just teleports through his shoe. <laughs> and then rips open his skin, climbs inside, all the way up, gets in his brain. He can't seem to get it out, and he runs headfirst into a wall, killing himself.
1: He had to have been running really, really fast.
0: Yeah. That or... The that scaref- was just the final straw. Maybe he knocked himself out, and during that time, the beetle ate his brain. Could be. And that's how he actually died. It wasn't from the running into the wall. Just weird. Scary, but weird. This is a, a
1: question of mine. Is it overly crazy of a death for him?
0: Was it warranted? I mean, he's a man who enjoys watching people get hung. I guess. So that I was, think-
1: You know, that could have been a lot of- france during the french revolution they enjoyed watching the guillotine go down
0: yeah and i don't think i'd have a problem if a beetle ate their brain either
1: all right i just thought it was a little extreme like that's the kind of death you thought would benny would get i know he kind of gets
0: something similar but we don't get to see it well because benny's funny
1: Mm, i know the
0: warden has like moments but he's made to be more of a realistic bad guy compared to a magical bad guy Okay. And so you need the bad, quote unquote, villain, real villain to get taken out in an interesting way. OK. And because he tried to kill Rick earlier, we're supposed to not like him. The problem is I like the warden. I did, too. He's funny. It's yeah. interesting. Uh, he had a great uh, interview a couple of years ago. And by a couple of years ago, I mean, like after this movie came out where he was talking about getting cast, Omid, the actor. Mm-hmm. And he was like, the director and producers came to me and they were like, we thought you were hilarious in the last movie we saw you in. We would love to give you this role. And he looked at him and he was just like, what movie was it? Because I've never been funny a day in my life. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, but you want this role or not? <laughs> <laughs> and then he accepted it, but he was never a comedic actor. He always did serious roles and until The Mummy. And he still has no idea what they saw him in because maybe they thought he was funny. someone else they definitely thought they were talking to somebody else but it worked out oh yeah, he was fantastic in this so while they're there we haven't officially like met the mummy yet they've mm-hmm. like read the curse and some weird things happen and it's like oh god we did something but we're an hour in and there has been no mummy yet mm-hmm. the, the titular character hasn't made a damn appearance yet yeah we've had Imhotep, but we haven't had the mummy correct So it's just super weird. I feel like this movie takes a really long time to go. This is probably why I also forget the middle of the movie because I'm like, the mummy. He must be in a lot of the movie, right? Yeah. But now we're going to get into the mummy, right? Mm -hmm. We're an hour in, haven't had him yet, but here we go. Mummy gets released. He attacks one of the Americans, eats his tongue, eats his eyes because the way the mummy can come back to life is he has to steal everything from other people. Their eyes, their tongue, their ears, their skin, their everything. Specifically the people that opened... Like, read from the book. Yeah, read from the Book of the Dead that brought him back to
1: life. So, there's four Americans that did it. Those are the four he's going after.
0: And he starts raining down uh, plagues. Yeah, as the stronger he gets, the pl- more plagues come about. Yeah, locusts, uh, water turning into blood. The fireballs from the sky. Fireballs from the sky, a Blocking sandstorm. out the sun. It's just, yeah, he's got some, like, weird powers. Because I'm like, wait. God did all those things. Mm-hmm. Why are you doing these things? Is it just because it's Egypt? Yeah. It was super weird. You're like, how to make him a world-ending threat? Uh, give him the power of God. So the mummy's scary, though, right? Oh, yeah. Before he becomes full flesh, and I don't get me wrong, I love Arnold Vosloo, who plays him. Mm-hmm. He's a fantastic actor. But when he's the CGI mummy, when he's only half there, when he's not even anything, he's terrifying.
1: Yeah, he is super pretty scary when he's all CGI. I actually find him a bit scarier when he's half him, half C- half uh, still mummy. I find that to be a little bit scarier. The CG is not as good during those times because they're trying to match him actually being there with some CGI on his face and it doesn't always match with him moving. But I find that scarier than him being all mummy and definitely scarier than him being all emotep. To
0: me- this CGI is still fantastic.
1: It's still pretty good. I just had little moments like when it's just his mouth is still like mummific- mummified that it doesn't quite follow him well. Uh, if,
0: that's fair. So Artith Bay shows back up. The mummy's wreaking havoc. He's killing Americans. He's coming back to power. He's got the Book of the Dead. He's trying to get these, what are they, caniope K- jars, I think is what they're called. I believe so. Uh, which hold the ashes of his beloved that he's trying to bring back to life.
1: Yeah, the organs or what, yeah. what
0: what was her, her mummified body yeah. is broken down into these jars that he needs. So he's going and collecting them. And the reason he's killing all the Americans is not just to get more powerful, but they have the jars. True. And he's collecting them. Guess who's helping him? Benny. Because he speaks Hebrew. Yes. Which makes sense. Yeah. It's the language of the slaves. Therefore, he can be a slave. hmm So good. I love that part when he's speaking in all the different languages to try to get the mummy to stop. It's once again, a great uh, moment for his character being like, he is so like- Dedicated to survival? Yeah, that he has
1: every single religion's like symbol on a different necklace. And he's just like, I'll use whatever one.
0: <laughs> May the good Lord protect and batch over me as a shepherd watches over his flock. I'm not going to go
1: to the house! I'm not
0: going I'm not going to go But it's amazing to me at the same time that a lot of people, because it's such a funny moment, a lot of people overlook it. It also shows how damn smart Betty is, Mm -hmm. that he knows all these languages and can flip through them in an instant. Yeah. And he chose his side. He's like,
1: I, you know, if I go with this guy, I'll be spared. Yeah. That's all I care about. I care about my own skin.
0: It's better to be at the right side of the devil than to be in his way, Mm -hmm. is what he tells Rick. Such a good line. Oh, yeah. What the hell are you doing with this creep, huh, Benny? What's in it for you? It is better to be the right hand of the devil than in his path. As long as I serve him, I am immune. So the mummy comes back to them, back with them to Egypt, and he's wreaking havoc on all of them. He gets the jars. He gets the book. But what else does he need? Evie. Because Evie looks a lot like a moon. He needs a sacrifice. Correct. And why not take the girl that looks like her? Yeah. And I'm going to sacrifice her. So he takes her and it destroys Rick and he's like, we got to go get her back. Mm-hmm. So we find the drunk pilot who I absolutely adore. Who I
1: didn't remember him being it in, in earlier in the movie. And he has a whole line about like, you know, if I'm going to die, I want to die in battle and something like crazy. And I, I like that.
0: He gets it. He gets it. Yeah, because he's going to fly them out to Hamanoptera so they can stop the mummy. And while they're going... The mummy brings up this huge sand wall and is chasing him. I love when his face comes out of the sand. It's such a good look. Yeah, it's so cool. Such great ideas in this movie. Mm -hmm. Such great ideas. And they swallow up his plane and everybody survives except for him. But he dies with a smile on his face because he loved it.
1: I love Winston.
0: He's so good. He's so little of the
1: movie and he made such an impression.
0: Yep. That's one of the things that this movie has really going for it is even the guy who, the librarian at the beginning, the guy who owns the library Evie works at, he's part of the Magi. Mm-hmm. He plays um, Terrence Bay, Dr. Terrence yeah. Bay. He has such a small part. And yet when he sacrifices himself so they can all get away from the, the mob that's coming after them, mm-hmm. it's still like, what a moment. Yeah, I've had like four minutes with this guy, but I understand who he is, what his motivations are. So when he sacrifices himself, you're like, well, hot damn. All righty then. Stakes are high. Yeah. People are going to die. People People, you know are going to die. And people have been. It's awesome. Movies don't do that anymore. They kill like the one random side character and go, that's enough stakes. Everybody else is bulletproof. And you're like, no, no, no. Like eight people need to die. Let's Mm -hmm. really make it real. So they get to Hamidaptra and they're going to take out this mummy. And that's the goal. He's about to sacrifice Evie. They find the other book. What is that book called? I don't remember. I didn't write the it The Book of
1: Ra or something like that? Yeah,
0: And they're going to read from that book so that they can control the mummies that Emotep brought back to life. His, like, minions.
1: Yeah. They can also read from it to take the immortality away from
0: Emotep. He has mummies to life. And Brendan Fraser, this is that scene I was talking about. He's fighting them all off. And it's amazing. And Jonathan is running for his life scared while he's and he's trying to read from this book.
1: Ardith Bay has sacrificed
0: himself even though, you know, he didn't. Well, that's because test audiences loved him too much. In the original script, he was set to die.
1: Mm. In that moment
0: when he goes to sacrifice himself, that was it. That was the last time we were going to see him, he died. It is almost cooler that he just shows up at the end. He's like, yeah, yep. enough. And audiences were like, what the hell happened to that guy? <laughs> we love him! And yeah. Summers was like, ah, oh, shit. All right, reshoot the ending. Put him in it. (laughs) Which is why he just randomly shows up again, which is awesome. But Jonathan reads from the book. He gets control of the mummies. They go and kill the resurrected Anaxuna Moon, Mm -hmm. who hasn't been fully resurrected yet. Because Evie wasn't sacrificed. Not yet. That's what she's trying to do. But her mummy is at least brought to life. Mm -hmm. And she's chasing down Evie. But all the other mummies, there's so many mummies in this movie. They go and kill her. Emotep has to watch her die again. In a similar fashion. In a similar fashion. Loses his mind. Starts trying to kill Rick. Mm -hmm. Jonathan reads from the book, which takes the immortality away from Emotep. Rick stabs him through the stomach with a sword. It is so anticlimactic. It's like great opening, kind of boring ending. Starts ramping up to a great finale. And then it's just ending. For being as crazy as
1: he is, he does very little at the end, Emotep.
0: Oh, yeah. He's just like... What happened to all his power? Yeah. He doesn't he, use it. He really is uh,
1: very okay with sitting on the sideline and letting his like minions do his
0: work. But up to that point, he's used a whole bunch of powers to get what he wanted. But he's no, he's no Thanos. Where it's like the minions failed, so he steps in and does it himself and actually is powerful. His minions fail, he steps in and dies. hmm It's weak. Mm-hmm. It's weird. He gets a few shots in, but that's about it. Yeah. So he kills him and sends him back to the underworld. He's done. At the same time, Benny has been gathering treasure. Because that's what you do. Because it's Benny. We forgive you. It's Benny. (laughs) But as he's resting, because he's carrying a bunch of heavy jewels and gold, he sets it on a lever, which sets off a trap, which is going to destroy the entire tomb. So they all got to get out quick. Mm -hmm. As they're escaping... Benny runs into them again they get through a door and Benny doesn't the sad thing is Rick does try and help him in this moment I don't know why he couldn't because it's very Indiana Jones yeah it's very much uh Indiana Jones and the last crusade where Ilsa is still reaching for the the cup Mm -hmm. and Indy's like let the cup go and we can save your life yeah, and she can't let it go, but he can't let go of the gold.
1: I thought he had already let go of the gold,
0: so it's I might have missed it. Too late by that point. Ah, he goes to reach for him, and Benny's trying to hold on to the gold, and he can't do both. And then the door shuts right as Benny thinks he's going to be saved, and then Rick just gets that cold one-liner: "Bye, Benny." Come oh, on! Come on! Come on! Come on! Please! Please! Come on! Come on! Come on Benny! Goodbye, Benny. It's cold, man. It's cold,
1: but he was a villain at that point. He's done a whole bunch of stuff that, you know, would
0: make him irredeemable if it was anyone but Benny. Fair. So at least he tried. Yeah. So Benny's now trapped inside and he's looking around and we just see swarms of beetles coming for him. So many beetles.
1: And uh, they're, they're only not coming after him because he has his light that's slowly going out.
0: Yep. It goes out. We hear screams. And we know what his fate's gonna be, because just a little bit earlier in the movie, and by a little bit earlier, I mean way back when they were first at Haminophtra, mm-hmm. we watch a guy get eaten alive by the Beatles. In like 0.5 seconds. In record time. Yeah. So we know his fate. And they all get outside and they're watching the tomb and Haminophtra disappear. And Jonathan gets the scare of his lifetime mm-hmm. when a hand just lands on his shoulder. And who is it? Artith Bay. Yeah. He survived. Because the test audiences wanted it. You know what? Fair. Good for them. We all need
1: more Arthur Bay. Yeah. And that's it. And he's like, "Thanks. Bye."
0: <laughs> Leaves. Rick gets the girl, and Jonathan has some gold that was already attached to one of the camels that Benny had already snuck out. <laughs> and uh, you know, Jonathan gets his lovely line of trying to kiss a camel because, yeah. you know, why not?
1: And they ride off to the sunset. Yeah, Happily everybody gets ever a happy
0: everybody gets a happy ending. Everybody that deserves is it is living is living gets a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Yeah. It's a movie. I watched it. You got I anything enjoyed else you wanna, it. Got anything else you want to bring up about the movie before we go into nits? We can go into nits. All right. Here's a couple of my nits. This movie takes way too long to actually get going. Yeah. Great opening and then you can skip about 45 minutes. That's fair. And then pick the movie right back up and you really wouldn't have missed anything. True. I hate the narration at the beginning. I think it takes way too long. Yeah, it doesn't ruin the whole movie, but it's just unnecessary. It is it. It's a bit un. Unne- we talked about it already. It yeah. is unnecessary. I love Rachel Vice. I hate Evie. Okay. I don't like her at all. She okay. annoys the hell out of me because the script couldn't decide if she was a damsel or a heroine.
1: Yeah, I. The script called for a damsel, but then they were like, mm, "We don't want to make it too damsel in distress," so they towed the line. They didn't do it well.
0: Correct. And the last thing, too many characters.
1: I actually don't mind there being more characters because there was more, you know, people to die (laughs) throughout the movie and and gave you the high stakes because there's some characters that we love that do not make it to the end. That's fair. I love that Evie grabs a torch, even in a bright lit room. So when she's finding Jonathan in the library. Did you just have a knit that you like? It's such a knit though. Okay. I, I laugh at it because it's completely unnecessary that she grabs a torch in yeah, that moment. Fair. Um, and then Oded does a hilarious duck face whenever he shoots as Ardith Bay. <laughs> he shoots a gun and he is just making the, the most cliche duck face ever.
0: Oh my god, I never noticed. I'm going to have to watch it again just to look for that. It is
1: hilarious. And then, of course, the guys you watch, people get their face melted and then you open a cursed box. What did Treasure. you think was going to happen?
0: Treasure. Crazy. So here's one of my biggest, it's a knit and a question. Mm-hmm. So at the beginning of the movie, when Rick is fighting alongside his troop against whoever the bad guys are, yeah, and he's running away and he goes to the spot and you hear a noise and then you see the sand moving underneath him. Mm-hmm. What is that? Who did that? I think that was Emotep because it looks like his face. How? How? He, he shouldn't have any power. He's still mummified. He's not brought back yet. How does he have any power at the beginning of the movie? Mm, Reasons. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) There are no reasons. Nah. Yeah, I just, I, it's a nit, but also a question. I don't understand how he has power at the beginning of the movie. Mm -hmm. Should Rick and Evie have ended up together? I know they try to do it throughout the movie, these cute little moments and whatever. It just doesn't work for me. Oh, it works for me. Let me posit this to you. Mm -hmm. Evie and Ardith Bay.
1: We don't get enough time with them together. That's fine.
0: We don't get enough time with Evie and Rick either, except for one drunk night where they flirt for a minute. I mean, we we get several bits. No, we get like glances. They know nothing about each other by the end of this movie, and they still end up together. It's kind of fair. I just think Rachel Vice and Odette Fair, super hot together. That's also fair. We already talked about who the MVP was. Is this the the peak of Mummy movies? There's just been so many mummy movies throughout history, and we had the new mummy movie, we had the sequels to this, we had the old classic mummies. Is this the peak, though? For me, it is. It is my favorite movie involving mummies. It might not be my favorite mummy movie, but I do think it's the peak. I think this is where the idea of mummies was the highest it's ever been, where mummies were box office profitable. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think they would be anymore. Was this the peak for Brendan Fraser? Ooh, yeah. So he just won an Oscar this year, but this was still his peak? Where yeah. he had the most power?
1: Yeah. Okay. I honestly think this would be his peak in his career. Now, could he have another peak coming up? Sure. But I think t- as of now, this was his peak.
0: Yeah, I think he might be coming into another peak. I think he peaked here as a leading action sexy guy. Mm-hmm. And now he might be on his way to peak again as an actual actor. This is the Sans? Yeah, is this the peak for comedy adventure movies? It is for me. Yeah, things like National Treasure not as funny. Yeah, Sahara that one I already mentioned. That this you've never one's seen. just
1: like so casually funny.
0: Mm-hmm. That it's it not jokey. Works. It's yeah. real funny.
1: Although there's jokes in it, it's just so like laid
0: back. Does this movie try too hard to be serious at times? Should it leaned more into the comedy?
1: No. I thought it struck a good balance okay. for me. Sure.
0: I don't agree. Fair enough. All right. Hard one for you. You have to pick one to watch, and you must throw the rest in the bin. Mm-hmm. Okay? So got to get rid of them. You'll never be able to watch them again. Okay. Only one. The Mummy, The Princess Bride, The Goonies, Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of the Black Pearl, or Back to the Future. These are all comedy adventure films
1: you can only pick one Uh, I'd actually probably think the mummy you're
0: gonna take the mummy over Princess Bride
1: yeah Goonies I was never a big fan of the Goonies Pirates of the
0: Caribbean Curse of the Black Pearl the first one and it's been so long since I watched that one too and Back to the Future you're gonna pick the mummy over all those yeah wow alright alright
1: Go to your questions yeah uh why is an American in this rando war at the beginning
0: I don't yeah (laughs) I think they explained it in the movie. I just don't remember.
1: I don't remember either if they yeah. did.
0: He's just there.
1: What else do you think Evie did to make the doctor's reaction so severe when she knocked over the
0: bookshelves? I mean, she knocked over bookshelves and destroyed that entire room. His reaction but, was justified. But he was like, every time with you. What else What else do you think she did? Yeah, he even calls her a catastrophe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure this is not the first time she has knocked those bookshelves over. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was a fire or two in there somewhere. What piece of memorabilia would you like from this movie?
1: Uh, probably the key.
0: The The, the little puzzle back key. Yeah, yeah, Okay. I want the Book of the Dead.
1: That was like one of my other ones. Either the Book of the Dead or the Book of uh, Amun-Ra.
0: Yeah. Nah, Book of the Dead looks so much cooler. It's fair. Yeah, or the sword. At the end that he kills Emotep with. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, just to hang that on your wall and be like, that's the sword. <laughs> that killed Emotep. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. Speaking of Apex of Mummies, the peak of Mummies, what about a miniseries? 2023, we get a Mummies miniseries.
1: Uh, I I would have said yes if it was, like, the exact cast. Like, this movie, but in miniseries form. Right, really would spell like it, out a lot of stuff.
0: But to redo it i don't know if anyone could really do it justice what about a remake with like switching like gender reversals or an all-black cast
1: i could see it done i don't i once again i just don't know if it's gonna have the magic
0: okay that's fair all right you ready to go into awards yeah let's do this first up is the psycho shower scene for your favorite scene in the movie for me it's rick saving evie uh his, his whole battle in that moment is
1: so cool Wait, which battle
0: the, the one where he was fighting nothing? Yeah. Okay.
1: I didn't even know that it was done that way, but it is so well choreographed. It looks so cool. He's just really cool in that moment too.
0: Yeah. My favorite part of that entire fight is where he cuts off the mummy's head and the mummy's like juggling it and then he just uses the sword as a baseball bat and hits his head. I, Love it.
1: I really like that. I like a moment a little bit later where he goes to like slice through one of them and accidentally like stabs one of the other's heads behind him and <laughs>
0: it's stuck on his... Yeah. uh. He rips Sword. it right off and he doesn't even know the guy's yeah. there. Yeah. It's so good. There's some great comedy in a pretty well done action set piece. Mm-hmm. My award goes to the opening scene where Benny, where Rick and Benny are ready to fight. And Rick's like, you got my back. And Benny's like, I sure do. And then five seconds later takes off running <laughs> and he's like, I'm out of here. And he leaves. But then that whole fight all the way up to the moment, right before the sand shows up underneath Rick's feet because I just don't understand that part. But everything about that opening, I think is just so rewatchable. Yeah. It's so good.
1: Especially when he goes and Benny's like in a doorway and won't let Rick in. Yeah. 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 So good. That
0: whole opening fight. Fantastic. Next is the I'll be back award. I'll be right back. And this is for your favorite line in the movie. Mine comes from the jail. Where are they taking him? To be hanged. Apparently, he had a very good time. The way he delivers this line of apparently he had a very good time cracks me up to no end. Mm -hmm. Because we never find out what Rick did, what this good time was. But just from the way he says this line, I have so many thoughts in my head of what it could be. And it's probably one of those thoughts. It's probably all of them combined, (laughs) because it was a very good time. So, just cracks me up every time I hear it.
1: The one that cracks me up every time and gets my award is the back and forth between Benny and Rick after the whole boat incident. O'Connell! Hey! O'Connell! It looks to me like I've got all the horses! Hey, Benny! Looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river! (laughs) Shit! I laugh every time I hear this one. And I will quote it, not necessarily in my everyday life, because there's really no reason to. But whenever this movie comes up, that's the first thing that I think of. Because of the way, like, Brendan Fraser says river.
0: I was just going to say, the whole line doesn't get me. It's just the way he says river at the very end. (laughs) And then, like, smirks about it. And then Benny's reaction, where he, like, looks around and realizes he is on the wrong side and is a little defeated. Classic. I still want to know how they got to the right side of the river. I'm sure they took another boat or something. Yeah. You know, they figured it out. Our next award is the Prestige Award.
1: Every magic trick has a third act. The part we call the Prestige.
0: The biggest WTF moment in the movie. Being kissed by a mummy. Like, still a mummified part of his yeah, face he, when he's half mummified in her room yes
1: oh. Oh, that just makes my skin
0: crawl oh being woken up like that no what was weird to me about that is why do you kiss her you only need her as a sacrifice to bring back a Noxuna moon mm-hmm. you don't actually like her what the yeah. hell is happening no idea my award goes to when the dude gets eaten by the beetles mm. when the dude falls down and just the the beetles swarm over him and then he's just a husk of bone afterwards I don't. I, I understand they're setting up for what happens to Benny later in the movie, but. You could have just shown us what happens to Benny yeah. later in the movie. Yeah, we didn't need that then. It was just weird. Mm hmm. Jimmy Dugan Award. Oh. Boy, that was some good opinion. For when you can take a piss break in the movie. For me, it's when they're getting the camels and Rixie's Evie all dressed up. Cut it. Don't eat it. <laughs> Worthless. <laughs> Waste of time. It's that
1: little spark. No, nope,
0: don't care. Don't care. Ah, get rid I of it. I love it.
1: it. Mine is pretty early in the movie. It's during the library where she makes the bookcases fall. I, I, so I just don't need it. so wrong.
0: I just don't need it. Yeah. It's superfluous. I don't need the camels and the little looks either, but you just told me I had to sit through that. I didn't say
1: you had to sit through it. You can definitely go pee during that moment. <laughs> if you want to, I happen to like that moment.
0: Next is the Han shot first award. Yeah, Oscar. Yes, I bet you have. <laughs> For what held up the worst since this movie came out.
1: It takes too long to mummy. A a movie called The Mummy, it takes over an hour to get to The Mummy.
0: Fair. Fair. It's super weird. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's a great script. Okay. I think there's some great one-liners, but all the in-between stuff. Listen, this entire script is just words, 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 one-liner. Words, 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 one-liner. Words, words, one-liner. There isn't any actual thought happening in this script. It is just, how do we get to the next one-liner? How do we get to the next set piece? There is no through line. There's nothing happening uh, in this script. The only reason this script works is because of the actors behind the characters. If yeah. you if you handed me this script right now and said, do you want to make this movie? I'd probably say absolutely not, because it's not very good. Okay. I, I
1: think I didn't even notice that because of the cast that we were given. Correct. And they just make it all work.
0: Correct. Like, everything Jonathan says is some of the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my entire life, but he makes it work. hmm And that's why it's a bad script. Great cast. Which leads us into our final award, the Paul Rudd Award. I'm Paul Rudd, and I adapt. For what held up the best since this movie came out, it's the cast. I agree. It's the whole cast, from the side characters to the main characters, to the bad guys, to the good guys. Every single person in this movie brought their A game. The casting was on point. It is the best thing about this
1: movie. Like you said, I don't know if this movie works with anyone else in any part of this movie. Because if you have even one character that's off, the whole thing could be
0: thrown off. Yep. It's, to me, it's like the 92 Dream Team with Jordan and all them, like, that just dominated the Olympics. That's what this is. It's every single character, every single actor plays their part to perfection, which makes this movie come together in such a masterful way. There isn't a weak chain in this entire movie. I agree. I don't think another movie will ever have a cast this good again.
1: Probably not. All right, decision time. This movie is just as entertaining as the first time I watched it. In fact, I might have gotten more... Watching it now than I did when I was younger, this movie holds up. It has a little wonky CGI, but
0: what doesn't nowadays? CGI didn't bother me at all, actually. I thought it was still really good. I think this movie wasn't as good as I remember it being, mostly because I only think of the good parts. Okay. I forget that some of the slower, boring parts exist, but it still holds up. It's still a raucous good time. Like we said, everybody's amazing in it, and it's a lot of fun. Sit down. You got two hours to kill. Could be spent in a lot worse ways. I honestly finished watching this movie and was ready to watch the sequel right after. I can't watch the sequel. It's got that stupid kid in it. I'm probably going to watch it. That might be my second place award winner for what held up the worst for my Han Shot first award. The fact that there's a sequel. With that kid. (laughs) Just there's a sequel. And then a third one. All right. That's it for us here from Does It Hold Up? Thank you for listening. Click the links in the description to find us over on our social medias to let us know what you thought about The Mummy. We'll be back next week with another episode with one of your favorite movies of all time. Until then, be good to yourself, be kind to others, and keep watching movies. Bye.